but uh the votes are still coming in but so it's either it's either in the center of the state of iowa or like on the top where (laughs) accelerative looks like looks like a mohawk kind of looks like a mohawk i can see that yeah i think that's kind of cool like it looks like um skeeter from the cartoon doug oh you know when he had the spiked yeah. Oh man. You want to yeah, talk yeah, about Doug? He was you always talking like, about Doug. Yep. <laughs> you want to talk about? I want to talk beats, about. Or you want to talk least... about Doug's band banging on a street light? <laughs> okay. So it's classic jam, right there. Yeah, banging. Well, isn't it? Uh, isn't it banging on a trash can? <laughs> yeah. Strumming yeah. on a street light. <laughs> I love that. Song. Or no, no, no. It's strumming on my banjo. Or yeah, me too. It's great. And then oh, we oh, killer tofu. Yeah. Yeah. But. I will also say that Doug has one of the best theme songs in the history of theme songs. Oh, yeah. You want to just do it together? Do and you want to do the melody or the never... voice, the sure. mouth noises? Uh, I'll let you do the mouth noises because I bet you'll get them better than me. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Let's see. So it's like... citizens of earth i'm dan and i'm eric welcome to accelerative thrust where we discuss and review underground experimental and extreme music with a focus on the iowa and midwest music scene and really cool people in the midwest iowa and midwest music scene such as our guest today steve mall who will be on here in a little bit to talk to us about a lot of really cool stuff yeah, he's in the waiting room. Mm. Do you want to sing the Fugazi right. song before he um, comes I was, or? I was going to. Okay, feel free. I'm going to flip off my cat okay. while you do that. Sitting in the waiting room, <laughs> I am a patient boy. I wait, I wait, I wait. All right, I'm really. I was, I was flipping off so hard I was grunting. <laughs> so, uh, did uh, was your cat being a jerk? He is currently being a jerk he's mm. gonna cause problems well mm. should we bring steve on <laughs> let's bring steve on hello steve Hi. how's it going pretty good how are you doing my friend good gotcha. nice to meet you steve <laughs> it's great to see you again man yeah you too so steve i have an idea of how to start this uh this conversation oh shit um, it's actually okay. <laughs> it's actually going to be the same way that we started um, the uh, Brooks conversation, which is um, me and you, Eric, will give our interpretation of who Steve is, and then mm-hmm. Steve can then explain himself from there. Does that sound good to you, Steve? Oh wow! <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess yeah. I'll sure. go first I mean... because I know very little. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to hear this. Yeah. So Steve is a friend of Dan, first and foremost, I believe. Mm-hmm. I believe they're good yep. friends. And that's sweet. And I've really only heard grandfather confusion, but I've listened through a lot of it and I, it's really cool. And I did see her in a lot of different things and have been a part of a lot of different things that unfortunately I'm not that familiar with. But also he just sent me a bunch of stuff and it was all really cool looking and that might be it go dan 
All right. So Steve Moll, um, yes, very good friend of mine. Um, we don't hang out a lot, but we do talk a lot, especially when we run into each other. But we have hung out a few times. And uh, Steve, to me, is just, and, and I've told him this several times, and I, this is no shit. Uh, he is legitimately one of my favorite musicians in the Midwestern area. I think Grandfather Confusion is um, a plethora of creative genius. And uh, also, um, he's a, a, an amazing drummer and just an overall uh, great fella. Wow. wow. <laughs> yeah. Thank you both. That's, uh, I don't know if I'd agree with all of that, but I appreciate it. Here's your know. chance. Where do you to... go from there? That was great. <laughs> Here's your chance to rebuke any nice things we said. Yeah, there you go, Steve. <laughs> I play the drums. I mean, it's funny because the three of us have kind of lately planned, you know, to talk about the music I make that's not just drumming, but mm -hmm. um, even though that stuff's important to me and kind of what I've been focused on lately, I still just feel most comfortable and at home playing the drums. And then somehow I ended up having a bunch of songs, you know, develop over time. But yeah, both are slightly different modes when I think about music. And um, yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of winging it a lot of the time. So maybe I'll learn some stuff from you guys as we go. I've discovered new music from you. And of course, Dan, I've always enjoyed your stuff. So Steve, are you yeah, a QC native? I lived in Moline and then I lived in Iowa city for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And now I'm back in the quad cities. Moline. I actually kind of want to get into a little bit of, um, and I know me and you, we've kind of talked about this, but I know Eric is not as familiar with uh, like the genesis of grandfather confusion and things like that. And so I kind of wanted to get into this in relation to this um, core reasons to rock that you sent us. Uh, I really <laughs> enjoyed reading that, Steve. And uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of kind of um, interesting things to say there that um I was like, wow, this actually gives me a lot of ideas on where we could, where we could, we could go in this interview. But uh, first and foremost, um, how about you just for the people who don't really know, uh, Steve, uh, why don't you just give like a, a quick history or quick or long or however long you want to take a history of you as a musician, uh, your bands and grandfather confusion itself. I started playing drums when I was pretty young, around five or six. And I got it. I just was really stoked on doing that more than whatever else at the time being young. And I started to just kind of soak up a lot of music that was around me and you know, walking to the record store from older family and friends. And I don't think I knew what any of it really was called like in terms of like genres or getting too deep with that stuff. So I feel really lucky to have had just kind of like an innocent, like blank slate growing up an only child, not having too much context, but enough guidance from people who were older than me that I appreciated and liked. So I got way into that, which made me 
over time want to play in bands and make my own songs. But I guess I was doing that on my own forever in little ways. I just got a little more comfortable like sharing it as I got older and doing what I'm sure we've all listened to or shared together with each other's bands and stuff like that. Cool, cool. Um, That's the gist of it. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I really like that you said in this, um, in the communal part of uh, what you were talking about, for those who don't know, um, Steve just emailed us this um, this thing that uh, just kind of uh, give us ideas on what to talk about here. I sent it to you because I was thinking a lot about how I've got a lot of friends and people I know and people I don't know for that matter who have made this music that I think is so great, but oftentimes people don't recognize it or realize it because it's not necessarily like a live project or a band that plays live, which is understandably a big factor in what gets people's attention or reaches people. And it made me realize, man, like I've done both in different ways. And sometimes I didn't feel they were like fully realized because I was not like attending to, oh, I just want to have a recording project or I feel the best doing that or I want to be more focused. So breaking it down like that, it's probably obvious to people who don't play music, but if you ever feel like, you know, overwhelmed or, you know, just not really focused with when you're making whatever, I think breaking down why you're doing it would be important. And it just in anticipation of talking to you guys, it was cool to do that and it got my yeah. wheels turning. Um, I don't know. I guess the music I've made, which I probably wrote in those notes, is like mostly just for me. But I think a lot of music that's not as like personal or autobiographical or whatever, like I think that's just as cool. It's just like the best versions of all that stuff seem like someone sat down or was slow enough to realize, you know, the strengths of what they're best at and then going from there. So if you identify, Oh, I'm making this for me, I'm going to make this for other people, or I'm going to want to do something new and experiment. If you have at least that on the target, then whatever happens is going to be cool. They all go together. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's a really yeah. fascinating way to look at it. For yeah. Sure. I like how you said um, documenting moments in time or emotions that I think that's a really important thing. Like a lot of people spend a lot of time, trying to perfect something like to the point that they never actually put it out or let anyone hear it, you know, and it, it the idea of it being a snapshot of where you're at at the time, it, it was really cool to read that. I actually, I was working on some stuff earlier and I was like, you know, let's, let's not go crazy on this. Let's just get it out, you know? And so that right. was, and I, was and really I had cool. And I've struggled with that when you're making something, knowing when it's done or knowing what it could be versus the limitations you have. But I think that um, what made me want to like make the CDs that I'd shared with you guys and stuff, it was kind of like, that was kind of, a lot of that stuff was a long time ago, but like listening to it back, it's kind of like, wow, even though I don't really like think super fondly of, the times I made that music, it's kind of like look being able to look back on those times of my life and realize, wow, I like made something out of not so great memories. And it's a it's a way to kind of like wrap up the past and put it in a like frame it in a way that's not just negative and um, 
you know, appreciating the good things and recognizing like, wow, like in spite of this, like dark stuff, like this stuff can exist and it can make you think in a different way or, you know, just be something to look back on and think you created something out of something that would otherwise be destructive. That's something to celebrate and share with people. And um, now that I did that, it's kind of like, that's cool. But we'll see. Maybe I'll want to make less like the personal kind of music and now try new things or just focus on drumming, which Dan was focused on, you know, like the communal part of it. And to me, that's why I like drumming the most, bringing people together outside of like all the songs that you have on a CD. So it's weird. It's a balancing thing. I wanted to do both. So the re-releases of the of this of the grandfather confusion stuff, are you kind of viewing this as sort of a um you're maybe done with grandfather confusion or at least that version of it, and then you're moving on to other things, or is it was it just to just to go back and really reflect on what you know that music? Yeah, I felt it was a good time to I never really formally released those on a physical format and you know, given those songs are sometimes like so like inward looking like a way that I felt like I could make it more like outside of me was like, Oh, let's press some of those CDs. Cause that's what I appreciate. Like the human part of what's attached to music is sometimes like sharing artwork that goes along with music you made. And that's kind of a small reason I wanted to do that, I guess. But I mean, now that I don't really like, I don't know, I'm into those songs, but I'd be more into like newer songs, I guess, if that makes sense. So it was nice to just acknowledge them and celebrate them. And now I feel like I can do new things because my mindset's different. Uh, yeah, I I kind of have had sort of a um, realization that I kind of am no longer stuck on sort of wanting to play the songs or even like listen to some of the music that I've put out in the past and work on newer things and stuff like that. So I can yeah, really, I can like, really you know, relate like to that. The next, whatever I do will be with, it'll be such a different newer mindset. And when you want to like move forward, it's good to acknowledge the past in a cool way. And I feel like I can finally do that and kind of lay a lot of those kind of songs or ideas to rest. And yeah, like I said, just a cool way. That's a really cool idea. Uh, yeah. Coming to, to just, peace with all your like music, even yeah. if it's like cringy sometimes or whatever, just, yeah, again, just kind of recognizing that you created something. You could do it with like a meal or a flower pot or whatever cool hat. I did it with these little CDs that could be my gift to the world through all my noise. Just felt like a good time to like mark however many years that was and yeah, it'll be an easier way to focus on new things because it's it's funny to like appreciate or like be stoked on something, but also be like, ooh, I don't recognize that person or I wouldn't really want to do that again. But right. all things considered, it's cool and um, yeah. whatever. whatever. Yeah, I kind of think that if, <laughs> if, if the stuff you've done in the past isn't sort of cringy to you, then you probably didn't really take any chances. You know what I mean? Like, right, and that's and that's something I value. A lot of bands that I really enjoy or that I've related to, like, oh man, some of the stuff I 
Yeah, you hate to use that word cringe because it just comes up right. so much. But it that is descriptive of like, oh, you were like in you were in it or you were yeah. you really meant that or that was a piss poor lyric, but it made right. me laugh. Being okay with a lot of not even liking music for the style or the music, sometimes liking it for reasons like vulnerability mm-hmm. is a lot more exciting to me than like oh, everything they did was this, like, really sound critically right. this or that. Kind of sure. Yeah. I think that vulnerability is, is a huge thing for me, too. Like, more so than, than nailing the take or whatever. Like, right. I, you and know, if somebody messes up, but it's kind of, like, beautiful because of it, why wouldn't you use that? Why would you do a new take where you might get it right, you know? I get that for sure, but I've had it less with like grandfather's stuff because it's the drummer thing again, where that's really what I know. And then, you know, getting wrapped up in perfection, so to speak, had been a problem for me. Mm -hmm. But as it went on, I got more trust and like was able to embrace some pretty big imperfections with like newer, later music Mm -hmm. and, um, that was really cool and i'm getting there i guess that's what i'm saying to like yeah. the song i think i've i've always like luckily made like a song that i felt was honest or exactly like the best i could do with sharing how i felt but yeah the natural like oh those recordings are super fake sometimes they're just like <laughs> moving stuff on and off a grid and auto tuning it to hell and just I don't know. Some of it, and hopefully it's still interesting, but I probably didn't have to do that as much as I did. And I'm learning that now and being cool with it. To know yeah. when to step back is nearly impossible. I yeah, mean. yeah. And just, yeah. yeah, learning to have trust in the people helping me, which was often um, my friend Jeremy, who was really big on just about all those CDs you have. But yeah, realizing that um, I don't have it all figured out and even if i lead something like it's not good to be in your own echo chamber that's a little too personal <laughs> sure yeah absolutely 100 percent. that's it's it definitely and i think i can actually kind of hear what you're what you're talking about there as i listen to like say the progression from um like your first album to like your last album that you put out like i hear you becoming a little more comfortable with like the experimentation, which is also another part that you mentioned about experimentation is something that you've been really interested in as well. Oh, and nice. I'm glad you that. felt that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 hear that. I feel I'm too. I was, it, it's nice to like recognize strength through all the music you make if you're a musician, but yeah, finally feeling like I had a good hold of all three of those components that I mentioned to you, which was like, you know, putting your own flavor to something, mm-hmm. still mm-hmm. connecting with people, and then still trying new things. And I'm getting closer to that, and I'm glad you can hear it as I, you know, went on with making stuff. I found I found so much of it to be just really inventive. I mean, honestly. Thank you. It, it, and I, I was trying to figure out where that might be coming from. I mean, I think when Dan and I talked about the the welcome release, we mentioned a few things that 
we could hear in there possibly, and you mentioned some things you were influenced by, but I wonder how much of that might come from being a drummer. You know what I mean? Like knowing that it's more interesting to change up a, a rhythm or try a new, uh, a, you know, like a 180 degree turn in something, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> where melodically that may not be where someone who's a guitar player would go. Do you think being a drummer has led to the experimentation a little bit or helped? I would say yes. I don't know about, oh, just specific to experimentation. It's just like the foundation of what I learned first and what I worked on the most. So I think um, rhythm and groove is like a priority Mm -hmm. to me when thinking about music. I haven't nailed it when I've recorded it because as you guys know, that's a whole other beast with like tracking and feel and Mm -hmm. sometimes dubbing something a totally different day when you've eaten differently and slept different. So, I mean, stuff I think about and prioritize, but I'm by no means like an expert at it. It's just, if you want to be a good drummer, you got to like sometimes think about, I don't know, listening to a song without anything, but just listening into the beat. And I hope over time, my songs would be, just that interesting, just the drum beats alone, kind of thinking of that as a mini symphony in itself. And then building on that, it can only be a bop. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't like, I, I don't have anything like super interesting or helpful to say when it comes to chord voicings or honestly production. I think I know what I'd want to hear, but you know, those things aren't what I feel I'm necessarily strong at. I just think like trying to make interesting rhythms and words that are honest and then something that's not just as long as it's not completely like painful to listen to with your ears. I mean, with like mm. <laughs> super treble, like harsh right. noise over it, like because mm. it's all lo-fi and I can live with, you know, dirtier, messier recordings. I just, um, yeah, I want the beat to come through. So I guess. Yeah. Short answer to your question is yes. It comes out in everything <laughs> probably pretty early, earlier than other things I would think about as I record it. Yeah. yeah. One of the other things I really enjoyed about the Grandfather Confusion releases, and it does have to do with production, is it it is lo-fi, but I mean, I don't, I don't even think of that as like something to notice anymore. It's like, because everyone's doing this at home. So it's like, Right. <laughs> but there there is a a depth to the recording. And I, you know, going back to the drumming thing, I think maybe the idea of building up from the rhythms adds to that element because you know it there really is just a lot going on all the time. Even if it's just a vocal part or just a guitar part, it seems that you're um you're aware and concerned about just the the depth of the recording that it sounds full cool all the time and i I think it's every bar into 16 notes or 30 and thinking where does every instrument hit and fall and how does it work with the millisecond before it right those are things i enjoy doing and i mean you don't have to do it like really heavy every second but I don't know. There are times when it's helpful and really fun to me to just like study a song's beat and dissect mm-hmm. it and 
over time, you're not doing it all the time just because it's what you're used to. And hopefully that's kind of how I operate. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's stuff to keep in mind a lot more. And I learned that like I had played with a lot of friends and various like lineups for these songs and um, they're all so talented and a lot of great stuff to say, but certain people I played with over the years, I'd show these songs and they were rhythms that I thought were relatively simple. They might be a little mm-hmm. like strained from the path of like typical beats, but it was really hard for certain players to like, you know, hit it or lock into it. And it made me realize, oh, there's like all kinds of ways to listen to stuff and Meanwhile, these guys could like play circles around me with guitar and do so well and all these crazy things that I don't. It's just learning all the different languages within mm-hmm. how you play in a band and what you prioritize is fun. And it's been cool. I could do that a little bit with this, even though it's pretty much a solo thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, another really interesting thing that in the in our review, Eric was wondering if the uh, welcome CD was chronological in any way. And uh, you actually kind of mentioned that it absolutely was in an email and a message. Yeah, it was pretty, um, it was like from when I started to record my own songs when I was like 20 or 21. And then it ended to like, when was it? The end of last year, Mm -hmm. something like that. So it's pretty comprehensive and I wanted it from the beginning to the end of this chunk of time. Sure. Maybe it's because I, I heard a, a really good amount of those songs already that I didn't really pay attention to that. So that's really kind of cool that somebody yeah. who hasn't really heard this stuff in any way whatsoever, like Eric was able to just kind of pick up on that. That's, that's cool to hear. And I don't know. I guess the title says it all. Welcome to my <laughs> welcome to my brain. <laughs> What's funny though is um since that point I have listened through everything on Bandcamp and I feel like if you listened from the beginning like Dan has, you may not notice those changes. Yeah. Like you may not notice those changes. Um it almost seems like with Welcome it it took uh time periods and took kind of the the biggest swings from that period you know what i mean like that's uh, how i felt about it i i wanted to just kind of highlight the songs i felt i executed the best or (laughs) felt like i could still listen to today without being you know really <laughs> you know, like kind of uh, or cringed back on. Mm-hmm. It was like stuff that I look back on and think, like, wow, like for a twenty-year-old like person figuring out how to play, whatever, like, oh, that was that made enough sense and mm-hmm. not bad. Good try, <laughs> good effort. <laughs> yeah, I, I still say that uh, one of my favorite songs written by anybody from this area is ride with me space child i love that song still still to this day that's such a banger as far as i'm concerned nice man but i mean all of them all of them are bangers i remember um i always for some reason 
especially when when you start getting into like um you know like horse diarrhea on the streets everywhere and um you know stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> which is I a love, great record I love, title <laughs> i love saying that title man uh Oh, I, I really start I, hearing I like, <laughs> like um, I really start hearing, and I think I've told you this a million times before, Steve. I really start hearing like Ben Lee meets, you know, Mister Bungle and Melvin's, and today is the day, and Weezer all at the same time. So it's right that's one of the things that I really, really enjoy is how you seem to have, especially over time. I would say. Uh, you've been able to just kind of combine all these influences, but totally make it like grandfather confusion, you know? Thanks. And That's cool to hear. And especially because a, I don't even listen to some of the stuff that you had referenced or that you had drawn a parallel to. That's cool to me. Yeah. I don't know. I have, it's, I have a, a difficult time explaining it to people. Like if I were to say mm -hmm. like, oh, just imagine – Steve Austin fronting Weezer or something. You know what I mean? It, it just makes no sense. And like, Steve Austin, the wrestler? Just don't go sit so. <laughs> you know. Right. But, That's a whole other. Six million dollar man? Yeah, the six million dollar man. There's yeah. too many Steve Austins. I appreciate hearing that. I think that um, it's really cool to be like hyper curatorial with genre stuff. It can help with focus or... If you know what you like, that's great. You can stick with that. But I've almost been like really stubborn to ever accept one style. I don't, I get too excited. So like, oh yeah, not caring, just listen to everything and try to ignore how it's, um, you know, promoted commercially sometimes or yeah. really one-on-one -on -one relationship with it or try to understand it without like the noise of, you know, any whack stuff. And I feel like people would find so much more music and then they would be stoked to write stuff. And then it's going to come out in a way that makes enough sense to share with someone with open ears and an open mind. So I don't know, just not thinking about that stuff too much or honestly being too naive and young when you got into music to even know and then mm -hmm. you just brought back from that so much and I don't even think that's like nostalgia I think like your first when you're really young and hear stuff that's unfiltered like what you felt was real without any influence on mm -hmm. from anyone you know so that's kind of what I try to do especially when I made the, the oldest ones the beginning of that CD it was just kind of like trying to think of first and it's got to connect with somebody because we've all had like early exciting feelings of just never having done something when i was younger um you know music was definitely a lot less um like like now i wasn't even able to define genres like you were saying you know like i had no idea that corn was called new metal for instance or no whatever. i you know just like yeah it's funny because there those names existed like they they didn't even exist for such a big chunk of time while whoever was playing so sure you just can't get wrapped up into it because then it becomes like the internet and not mm -hmm. just literal noise made by humans and the wackest band has something cool to say if you ignore 
all the connotations. Yeah. At the core, I mean, if it got people together to make music, it's like it's often worth checking out. Um, that's something I'm happy I've done. Yeah, and so like I I do kind of see where you're where you're kind of coming from with that in the um communal part of your manifesto. I, I don't know if stop me if calling it a manifesto <laughs> is really dumb. But you know, I just I'm had a lot of coffee. I kind of get where you're coming from though, where um you're kind of talking about how um cover bands at like say like a wedding will kind of bring people together instantly, but then like uh maybe somebody who's creating like um you know, well, like you kind of mentioned it before, uh, and we kind of already talked about it. Somebody who's creating like, I don't know, say punk music or something like that doesn't really think about presentation as much. And so like sometimes, you know, and I've been in bands that have done this several times um, where you just kind of get out and the performances are not what you, you got, you got excited about it, but it just wasn't what you wanted them to be or what you expected because the crowd you know, in your mind, you kind of think, oh, okay, the crowd's going to get it, but then the crowd ends up totally not getting it or something, you know? Is that kind of a, a valid interpretation of what you were kind of getting across there? Um, Kind of. It made me think about just when I had played shows with, you know, for grandfather confusion, where just started getting asked to play a decent amount of them and being excited, which it's better to be that than not, but Mm-hmm. yeah ending up taking a lot of shows where my the people i played with were incredible and they they killed it but mm-hmm. realizing that i hadn't necessarily put in the work to really dial in what i'm trying to do and how i play and then that's kind of why i slowed down on playing shows just because it's like yeah realizing oh i can have a really cool recording project and still find value in it playing live isn't everything that's kind of what made me start thinking about like recognizing that both could be really neat. Yeah, those recording projects, there's a lot of them, like regardless of this stuff of mine, people need to check out. Sure. You luckily cover them, so that's really neat too. As I get older, I definitely have a uh, more of an appreciation of like, say like the the bedroom musician who kind of just like puts out music and never plays live, you know, but puts out this interesting stuff that you can listen to and find, well, now you can find it always um, usually on Bandcamp or something, you know? It's fun. It's And it's never ending because I, I'm sure just in the Quad Cities, there's all kinds of people who have a lot of songs, but it's just not as widely known yet because they're just recording or I don't know. It's just something to think about because people forget that music exists besides live music that's which is great i mean i love playing drums live particularly so i get my fix of playing live in that way i think i'm better at supporting bands than like being up front leading something on an instrument i barely know how to play <laughs> um not to switch gears completely but i was going to ask you about yeah. some of um the influences <laughs> that you wrote down <laughs> sure. for us like it's really it's really interesting to me because there are some things on your list that are, uh, sort of transcend uh, a moment in time. Like I would say like the Jesus lizard or butthole surfers or ween or new order. Like 
those are things that no matter what time period you're into that music, whatever, it's cool. But yeah. some of the bands you named are very much like, I haven't even heard anything about them since 1996. Like, okay. <laughs> like The Urge or um, uh, Soup Dragons or Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Like, sure. those are very, very mid to late 90s groups. And so I wondered, did you have someone in your life that was older than you that maybe got you into those things? Or did you seek out things from that era or was it just random that you ended up liking a lot of stuff from that time yeah. period a lot of i think people peripherally liked a lot of that stuff around me and i probably took note of it but um i also was just really in tune at a really young age to listening to the radio and mm -hmm. it seems so strange to think that those bands were on the radio a lot mm -hmm. <laughs> and it goes back to like you know first experiences hearing a melody or a song you like a lot and it's like yeah i not i don't necessarily think i'd be stoked on everything those bands do today if i hadn't heard it then mm -hmm. but i'm so glad i did because I mean, those are pretty fun bands to look back on and think like they shaped you. I think they're pretty like pointed in a rad direction. And mm -hmm. even if it's not like something that's going to transcend eras as easily, I think there's so much cool stuff to find in uh, all those bands you mentioned or that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just kind of cool to like not forget about the little guys like that. Yeah. There's this thing I always talk about. <laughs> um, which was this sort of like moment in time. It was probably like 1991, 92, possibly, uh, where there was like this electronic rock pop thing happening. And it was just starting to sort of get some uh, footing. And then grunge came and like basically killed it. Like two of the groups on your list here, uh, EMF and Ned's Atomic Dustbin, all of those things represent this moment in time where it was like, whoa, this is really different. I was way into that stuff. And then all of a sudden it was just like done, you know, and, and yeah, totally all, new mood. Yeah. Just, all the, yeah. all the drum machines got destroyed. <laughs> right. I hear a lot of people call it like the baggy movement or because oh. it was big in the rave scene. And yeah. I've heard they call it Grebo music, I guess. Oh. Like, I don't know. I was, far too young to even I couldn't even read you know but mm -hmm. those bands I listed those and I, I listened to them a lot too and it's a lot of it is like that they changed a lot of people don't even sometimes realize those bands made a handful or decent amount of records and mm -hmm. like Soup Dragon mm -hmm. started out as like a more power pop like Buzzcock sounding mm -hmm. band and then eventually they're doing dub and <laughs> rave and reggae influences and seeing how much people change is cool if you start at the beginning you can hear the core of what makes them excited throughout and yeah i like hearing that um, most of the time i like when fans change i don't want to be like a purist seldom times i'm not as into it but yeah those bands a handful are still together and i get really stoked on just thinking or talking about them because like the new emf album it's a lot about like how it acknowledges that they're older but not bitter and mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. celebrating 
music and looking back on times, but still making new sounds too. And I don't know. It's neat to see those bands still doing it, even if they're not like at the pinnacle of some yeah. commercial yeah. success. You know? Yeah. I, I do have to ask you though, um, with all that being said, are you a fan of Big Audio Dynamite? From what I've heard, the okay. Globe, right? Oh man, Big Audio Dynamite 2, the album The Globe is on, is phenomenal. Like of that I'm gonna have to genre. Oh my god, it's so good. Right. <laughs> That's just an aside. One of my favorite That's exciting records. Exciting to know someone else into who at least you you're familiar with. And that's Atomic Dustin too. That's a fun oh, one. Oh yeah. But yeah, there's just those bands were really special. I also like how they presented their stuff visually. Mm -hmm. It just seemed really colorful and right. Yep. Vivid primary colors and just um I don't know. It makes you feel good. Yeah. yeah, to a certain extent, I also feel like uh Faith No More was almost a part of that too in the early days. In a in a yeah, it seemed like a lot of um a lot of that stuff there was a disregard for labels and I mean they those yeah. bands even though it was like pretty glossy a lot of the time I mean they were you could still hear a punk influence or mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know that they listened to cool stuff or they came from a place that was like a thriving like some kind of scene party yeah so yeah it looks like you played with a lot of uh different people um and they look very different from each other a lot of variation <laughs> it was nice to see that list and think wow yeah. like there's a lot of stuff out there and i've been hopefully the bands would think like helpful or i've been lucky to right. play with like from country to hardcore mm -hmm. to jazz or experimental noisy stuff right like and i, I would assume yeah. that you enjoy aspects of all of those things uh totally. otherwise you wouldn't play with them but uh is there anything that really just really is your favorite like straight ahead like d-beat hardcore or just like <laughs> jazz or like what really really gets you going <laughs> so yeah that's a great question because like there's different answers for different questions that's so mm -hmm. funny to say it like that but now you've got my wheels turning now like i'm warmed up and like actually like Feeling like I can answer better. <laughs> we were just getting to this point. Um, I think that I like playing a lot of. Um, this is when genres are helpful. I, I guess, lack of a better right. word, some of the post-hardcore, alternative metal, what some people might call new metal, which is just absolutely not what I would think. Mm -hmm. But um, really groovy, heavy rock. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, I. I'm sure you picked up some of those bands when you heard it. I can't get away from it, but I think I can play really well, like hard. I've refined it over the years on like how, what that means. It doesn't always mean playing loud, but mm -hmm. making every drum stroke and hit and fill and everything down to the, to one hit of a roll, like, I can assert those really clear and that lends itself to stuff like helmet or. Oh yeah. Very intentional, drumming. like intentional drumming. Right. I, yeah, I, I sure. really liked um, like David Silvera from Korn and mm -hmm. that early stuff. And that was like a big part, but then adding jazz onto it, like it probably made me think about it a lot more than 
some of that style would require, but mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe that would give me an extra flavor or leg up from playing it. <laughs> yeah. Like we all know Sting is a dork. Um, but Stuart <laughs> Copeland, like do you Absolutely. do you watch him? God, he hits so oh, hard. Yeah. <laughs> I love I loved watching I mean going to shows really early and just bigger concerts with my dad, he wasn't a fan of probably any of the bands, but having that attitude of gratitude, so to speak, and just like always pointing out something about the drummer or encouraged me to watch that. I think that gave me an appreciation for a lot of bands that some might be like, what, you know, or like just kind of scratching their head, but whatever joy you can find anywhere, you should take it. And I really like watching drummers and sometimes aesthetically questionable bands or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it. <laughs> it's like you said, you're not maybe a fan of Sting, but you like Stuart Copeland. I'm not a fan of much of what certain bands I like do, but the drumming or the earnesty in the lyrics overrides that, and that determines what I listen to. It's cool to recognize mm -hmm. that. Other people might have a whole other reason they listen to stuff, and that's really great for them. Yeah. You get the idea. <laughs> yeah. I really enjoy watching drummers as well. And two of my favorite drummers to watch um, are jazz drummers. Uh, I guess he's more of a soul drummer, but James Brown's drummer, uh, Clyde Stubblefield. Ooh, I the really love drummer. watching that guy play. And then also uh, Gene Krupa, who was a jazz drummer. Oh, Chicago. yeah. Yeah. Both amazing, phenomenal drummers. Totally. I've been um, wanting to find a record every time I go into Reggae records or wherever I look for Rich versus Roach, like a drum battle. Mm. Yes, 12 inch. yes. And yeah. That's something I need to school myself better. And given, I think I can kind of keep up and play the gist of jazz. Well, like studying those drummers. Cause I could talk to you all mm -hmm. day about the rock drummers and what I like and dislike, but yeah, yeah this whole other world of there's a lot of stuff out there. It's fun. I mean, I don't always get that with, technical drummers though so it's really cool when someone like Stuart copeland can mm -hmm. catch my ear because i mean I'm, i've never been really impressed with real flashy like technical stuff right right have you ever paid attention to uh big black's drummer roland no <laughs> roland yeah. no have you you've listened it's a to drum machine <laughs> yeah it's a drum oh, machine that was a joke <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah have you listened to big black before steve little bit at the songs about fucking songs about fuck yeah yep yeah that's albini and then i don't know much else about him besides yeah mm -hmm. well in his. okay so actually here's my next question steve um yeah so we were talking about steely dan earlier mm -hmm. and uh we did i didn't really elaborate uh so my question is uh first of all do you like steely dan all intents and purposes, nah. Okay. So the reason why we were talking about it is uh, Steve Albini went on a, a Twitter rant talking mad okay. shit about Steely Dan. And, uh, but anyway, um, I was just curious. Uh, and I was wondering yeah, if you not saw my favorite. I, I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff to dig in and value, but I don't know. Not everything can catch your ear. So, the the one thing I'll I, I remember is Albini tweeted, and I think this was yesterday, that um, 
he is the punker that's always going to shit on Steely Dan. Uh, the amount of effort to try and sound like an SNL warm-up band. I would hope the band could laugh at that because it's good to have a sense of humor and like ultimately you can't deny that band into what they're doing to have that longevity right. and do it. So it's like, it's kind of, it's really fun and um, necessary a lot to just rip on bands super hard, like including my own, like we, we joke all the time. We called it new metal flower pop. <laughs> that's a good, uh... which like, I don't even feel like that's even an insult. It's just kind of silly, but I, I think it's know. cool. I think yeah. it's just all all music can be poked fun at. I think if you're playing guitar really loud in any context, that's funny. Just like <laughs> fundamentally like <laughs> stupid, you know? Yeah. Like so anything beyond that, it's like, yeah, don't take it personal. You're playing like a big you're making a big farty noise for an hour at a time. You know, it's yeah. yelling. It's funny. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know me, Steve. Every single band I've ever been in, I was a hundred percent serious in it. <laughs> oh yeah, I had to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but um, value. We've talked about this before. Valuing humor in music, even if it's not like the main end goal. Like, because yeah, I'm not super into like comedy music or any of that like jokey or stuff. But bands who can laugh at themselves. It's just one more emotion that you can utilize and learn from. So that's obviously why we all like a lot of the shared bands we like because they do sure. it well. Yeah, do I think I think it's important that if you're well, unless it's what you really want to do, but there are certain ways that to approach humor and music without becoming like a novelty or something like that or whatever. You know what I mean? And yeah, I guess being a novelty is it's like just having balance and I don't know, I found that works for me and not having, you don't have to make everything a joke, but recognize that even though a song might mean a lot to you or a band might mean a lot to you at the end of the day, there's like way more wild things and honestly, oftentimes important things to attend to and, <laughs> Laughing is fun. So if you can do that and recognize that, you're going to be able to move faster and yeah. do uh, yeah. more cool stuff. I don't know. I, I, I'm i like, I don't moss at your comedy club, bro. Like, don't bring your funny <laughs> shit to my, my, my scene. <laughs> you know? Wow. But, but come on. <laughs> that, I love that. That's a, that's great, Eric. But think about it, kind of what you're saying is like <laughs> knowing, just having parameters and knowing what you like, and it helps guide you because I, it, it's probably not a coincidence that I don't super enjoy comedy that's super heavy on music. So yeah, it's interesting to find, you know, draw the similarity, like realizing that I want to incorporate both, but like mixing them too much is sure. just kind of weird. <laughs> Totally. It's the difference between the the Wiggles and Ween, you know, like, right. Yeah. Recognizing people who understand that is so awesome because that yeah. will lend itself to maybe a band starting down the road or whatever, because I just got 
way amped on hearing that from you because a lot of people don't see the differences and like that's a bummer to me because um music that i have put like clown nose noises in or like (laughs) just like the stupidest sample in the world like at the same time that's something like i really put a lot of heart into anyway somehow those extreme sort of um they expose different elements of the music as well. Like it comes to mind, like the song birthday boy by ween, right? Uh, the section where it's an answering machine and it's someone singing happy birthday seems like it would be stupid, but it is heart. No, it's like so sad. And that it's was the word I was going to use you know? and you beat me to it. Cause I thought <laughs> of that song right away and how they, um, how they incorporate different voices sometimes mm-hmm. that aren't even their own. And yeah, it's stuff that can take you out of yourself while still expressing yourself. And that's mm-hmm. a really cool balance to have because um, yeah, otherwise it's almost not as inviting. And to me, that's something I prioritize having music that's challenging, but still inviting, mm-hmm. you know, not mm-hmm. trying to like, stump somebody on purpose or make them feel uncomfortable on purpose, you know, having familiarity with some weird in there. Sure. Thanks. Thanks so much, Steve, for coming on. I got to say, I think this has been one of the the most positive interviews we've had. This is really upbeat. I like, I like the feeling we've had. (laughs) That's good to hear. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks so much. And, we'll do this. Uh, yeah. yeah, we'll do this again. And yeah, hit me up whenever. I'll be listening either way. For sure, for sure. Do me a text sometime. We'll get some Indian food or something. All right, that sounds nice. good. That sounds good. Whatever joy you can find anywhere, you should take it. <laughs>